Good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you may be. This is Snapshots in Hockey History. Welcome back to another episode of Snapshots in Hockey History, where we relive the hockey highlight reel. My name is Brett Small, and as always, let's go ahead and get the business out of the way first. Snapshots in Hockey History is a listener-supported podcast brought to you free of charge every single Monday and Thursday at 8 a.m. I will never ask you for a dollar out of your pocket for this podcast, but if you like what you hear, please do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes, tell a friend, share on social media. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Snapshots in Hockey History on Facebook, as well as on Twitter at Snapshots In. Got an awesome episode this week. Barrett Jackman joins us, and I was referred to Barrett Jackman by Tim Taylor. I did an interview with Tim a few weeks ago, and we'll be playing his uh, episode coming up shortly. But I mentioned to Tim what I was doing, what I was working on, and I, I told him that I was trying to get in touch with a few people. He said, well, hey, who do you want to talk to? I said, I'd love to chat with Barrett Jackman. And the next morning, I had a text from Barrett, and he said, hey, it sounds like a cool concept, your podcast. Love to talk to you about it. So Barrett joins us. He tells us a phenomenal story about probably his, his third or fourth training camp. He had uh, been the year before he'd been in the American Hockey League. He was a black ace in the playoffs the prior season. Barrett ended up getting into a fight in training camp and half the veterans on the team turned to him and said, hey, you're a rookie. What the hell are you doing? I'm sure it scared the heck out of him, but he stuck his ground, stood up for himself Ended up having an awesome rookie season, and uh, we ended up talking about that in this episode. We talk about his 0203 season, where he ended up being Rookie of the Year and winning the Calder Trophy. So he'll give us lots of good insight on that. Meanwhile, what's new in my life? Jesus, uh, I found out this weekend we're moving. My wife and I put an offer in on a house, so unfortunately that means it wasn't a big hockey weekend. I did get to do an interview yesterday. I also watched the Capitals-Florida Panthers game on Friday night. Saw the Capitals lose to the Panthers in overtime. Tonight, I'm going to try to catch a little bit of the New York Rangers game. There are certain teams I don't know why I've always enjoyed watching. The Rangers are one of those teams. Another one is the Toronto Maple Leafs. I really don't have any connection to those cities other than they're both awesome cities. But when I go to Toronto, I actually typically watch an OHL game. I typically try to go to Mississauga or something along those lines. So I don't know why, but I've always liked the Maple Leafs. Uh, Same things for the Rangers. I I go to New York quite a bit, but it has nothing to do with why I like the Rangers. I don't don't know why I always have. I'm, I'm probably one of the few weird ones that has a you know, usually there's a reason you root for a team. Of course, I'm from Washington, D.C. That's why I like the Capitals. But I'm probably one of the few guys that follow certain teams and I really don't have a reason for it. Anyways, back on topic. I was moving all weekend. I was packing stuff. And uh, just like probably every other hockey fan that listens to this podcast, I can't believe how many hockey jerseys I've accumulated over the years. Oh my God, you buy three or four a year. Next thing you know, you have like 150 of them. I think my wife's ready to shoot me. But then again, Come on, what's cooler than a closet full of hockey jerseys, right? Anyways, um, let's see. Anything else to discuss? That's about it. It's Monday. I know it's a busy week for everybody. Don't forget to tune in on Thursday for the second part of our interview with Barrett Jackman. But let's go ahead and get to part one of our interview with Barrett Jackman. Before you even get started, you played one, I think, game in the playoffs the year before, but pretty much spent the prior year in the American League. Is that correct? Yeah, I spent the whole season uh, in Worcester, and uh, and then they once our season was over, they called me up for the last game of uh, the regular season and uh, actually played a game in Detroit where they rested a couple guys. And then, uh, yeah, it was a black ace for you know three weeks for the first round and uh, first four games of the second uh, round, and then... Uh, when Pronger got hurt, uh, when he blew out his knee, they brought me out of the stands and put me in the lineup for game five. 
How was the intensity playing in the National Hockey League playoffs versus the American Hockey League? Uh, it was huge. I think I was so young and stupid at that point that I didn't realize the magnitude of the game I was getting into. So, uh, yeah, I just kind of went in there and you know, uh, Quinville told me, he goes, just play the way that you do, play like a prick and, and have fun <laughs> with it. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of a shock that I was I was playing because uh, Mark Bergevin and Richie Pilon, they had a couple guys that uh, had been practicing with the team, but uh, they decided to put the uh, the young guy in instead. And so it was, uh, you know, kind of a whirlwind. Uh, you know, I was around the team, but, you know, practicing separately and then all of a sudden getting into a game uh, uh, against Detroit, who eventually won the the, uh, the cup that year, and in Joe Lewis, it was uh, yeah, you know, I, I I blinked and it was over, and uh, yeah, just kind of uh, shocked that uh, you know I was finally you know kind of in the NHL. You've got to be pumped going into the summer, and I know that summer that you did a, uh, a heck of a workout regimen with a guy out of Arizona. You know, Gary Roberts is now known for training guys and getting guys ready for the NHL. And, and this was, was this still kind of new and it's in infancy where you're traveling to work with a trainer and things like that? Yeah. Uh, so we had a few of the guys, like Al McKinnis is obviously is, uh, you know, known for, you know, what kind of shape he's in playing 30 minutes a game. And uh, Chris Pronger was also going uh, to see uh, this guy, Phoenix, Charles Poliquin. And, uh, you know, Al, Actually, it was about a year before that he uh, he called me and he says, uh, uh, you know, if you want to make the NHL, you got to get a get a leg up and you you got to go see uh, see my trainer. And so I got off the phone with Al and called my agent. And I go, hey, um, book me a flight and uh, get me in to see this guy, uh, you know, tomorrow if you can. And I was on the next flight I could and and was in uh, in Phoenix and working out with uh, you know Keith Kachuk, Dougie Waite, uh, Chris Pronger, Al McKinnis. You know, all these kind of, uh, you know, big name guys that I was trying to play with. And, and uh, so it, it definitely uh, gave me a huge advantage. And it, it was kind of cutting edge for uh, for hockey players to, to be doing that. What kind of physical demand did it put on your body? Was it that different from what you typically did before a, a training camp? It, it was more of a lifestyle change. Uh, you know, I was working out since I was 14 years old. And uh, I, I was always a guy that would be in the gym for, you know, for three hours a day and uh and and working hard and also uh you know building pools uh during the day in the off season so i was putting my body through a lot but uh, it was more educational just training the right way eating the right way uh you know when i was you know 17 18 uh i thought a, a sandwich was uh was a healthy uh was a healthy choice and, and not eating fast food so uh it, it was more just educational for for everything that i was doing and and just being in the gym, you know, for an hour, hour and a half, and then doing uh, doing all your cardio instead of three hours, uh, you know, probably lifting the wrong way and, and bad technique to, to learning, you know, how the body worked and, and why you're doing certain things. Training camp comes around and obviously you're prepared for it. And I'm always fascinated with players that fight other players in training camp. You're without question trying to crack the lineup. You end up squaring off with Dallas Drake. Do you recall how that came about? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, so I was, I was, I played, a, you know, a couple of scrimmages and, uh, you know, kind of just showed a little bit too much respect to, uh, 
to the veterans and I kind of had it in my mind that these are guys that I want to play with and I don't want to, you know, ruffle any feathers and, and maybe in the back of my mind thinking that I, I was going to get into get into exhibition games and, and prove myself then. And then uh, uh, Patty Janelle, who uh, was a Western League scout that, uh, that drafted me for the Blues, pulled me aside in between, uh, uh, in between, you know, ice cleans and he started yelling at me. He goes, what the hell are you doing out there? Uh, I'm like, <laughs> He's kind of shocked. He goes, you know, you're embarrassing me right now. You're supposed to be this tough guy. You're not doing anything out there. Uh, so right off the faceoff, uh, Keith Kachuk lined up beside me, and he, he kind of pulled my leg out from under me. And so I, you know, was already kind of looking for something. So I turned around, and I slashed him. I tried to fight him, and he, he just kept a stick up around my uh, around my nose and said, I'm not fighting you. And, and then Dally Drake came uh, rushing to his best friend's aid. And, yeah, so I ended up fighting Dally and uh, kind of beating him up pretty bad. And uh, and then actually after uh, after that scrimmage, I had uh, Doug Waite and uh, a couple other guys confront me in the hallway and, uh, you know, almost looking to fight me. So it was uh, I went from not making any uh, any noise and kind of flying under the radar to, to be in the number one enemy on uh, on this uh, kind of group of uh, veterans that were uh, pretty uh, pretty tight friends oh my gosh so did it how do you even respond to that when they come up to you and they're like hey what the hell man <laughs> yeah I, I just you know i just i tried to uh, stand up for myself and just say hey guys i'm trying to make the team i'm gonna do everything i can and you know i want to play with you guys so you know no hard feelings and yeah, I, I think it was the next morning, uh, you know, all of them kind of came up to me. And, and Dally Drake's from basically my hometown, and he was one of my favorite players growing up. And so it was uh, that was a hard thing to do. But, you know, I, I think every one of them uh, realized by the next morning that uh, you know, I wasn't trying to embarrass anybody. I was just trying to, uh, you know, to, to do anything I could to uh, make the team. Coming out of camp. The roster is being put together very strategically, and you don't qualify for waivers. You would go right through. At any point, are you worried that you're going to be going back to the American Hockey League? Uh, yeah, I think every day I woke up and, and went to the rink. I, I, I thought maybe there was a chance it was going down, but you know, kind of the uh, the ace in the hole was was playing with uh, with Al in training camp and and uh, in my exhibition games. So uh, I was thinking that just just play solid, just make Al uh, you know look good and and learn as much as you could. And you know, it was it was either going to happen or it wasn't. And but yeah, I was definitely hungry to uh, to stay. But you know, there's all Always until you uh, you're in the NHL, you know, for a couple of years, there's always that, that thought in the back of your mind that you could be uh, be going down. You mentioned that you get the opportunity to play with Alvin McInnes, and I definitely want to touch on him. The, the captain of the team, though, Chris Pronger, as you mentioned, was injured the prior year. With his injury, it seems like there was a lot of different combinations that were formed to try to come up with good pairings. Was there anybody else you played with other than Al? Uh, no, it was, it was basically Al uh, the whole time. Uh, I played a little bit with, uh, with Finley, but yeah, for the most part, it was Al from, uh, from start to finish. Uh, and I was playing a little bit, uh, you know, second power play unit and, uh, killing penalties, uh, you know, but a lot of the times I was on the ice, uh, uh you know, I was, uh, very, uh, very fortunate to, to be looking to, uh, to my right and seeing a, a hall of famer. Al McInnes is named the team captain that season and he's going to be wearing the C for the first time in 20 years. Is there any reason that the team chose him versus Scott Mellenby, who was a captain of the Panthers, Doug Waite, who was a captain of the Oilers or, or Kachuk, who was a captain with Phoenix? 
Um, yeah, I think it was just, you know, Al was there. Uh, he, he has the respect of every one of those guys that you just mentioned. Val talked in the dressing room, uh, which he, he didn't do a lot. Uh, but when he talked, everybody listened and, you know, Melanby was an unbelievable leader and, uh, you know, Big Walt was, uh, you know, a little bit younger than those two. And, and obviously, uh, on the ice, played uh played like a warrior and and uh you know it was very unpredictable and in, in uh in front of the net so uh kind of scared a lot of people on the other team but yeah, just al's presence just the way that he worked out the way that he conducted himself with the media and, and everything around him uh uh it was uh i think it was a pretty easy uh, uh easy choice for uh, for joel and and them you guys form an excellent duo, and between the two of you, you have 1,334 regular season NHL games under your belt. He's got 13, <laughs> 3, 3, and you've got one. But let's talk a little bit about your relationship with Al McInnes. How did he, I, I mean, I know he helped you. As a young guy coming up, how did he mentor you? Uh, yeah, just everything. Uh, you know, he, he wasn't a big talker, and I was I was very intimidated by him. You know, just kind of being around him. He was almost yeah. He was a guy that I I never wanted to disappoint. So I was walking on eggshells around him, but he was very good with me and and talked to me. And um, I think the biggest thing was on the ice. Uh, I would mess up, and you know, maybe he'd get hit, or I give him a bad pass, and and we get back to the bench, and I. You know, thinking I'm going to get yelled at or, or uh, you know, he's going to give me shit. And But he would look at me. He goes, hey, uh, you know, was I in the wrong spot there? Or, you know, <laughs> what, what? He goes, what What can I do uh, to make it easier on you? And and, all, and that just, just baffled me that the uh, Hall of Famer is asking if he did something wrong when I totally knew it was me. And I, you know, But he just made me feel at ease. And, uh, you know, that's something that I always tried to, to, to bring along the rest of my career, playing with, uh, with the younger guys and, uh, you know, just, just asking questions about, you know, what, uh, you know, what the other guys saw or where I could be to, to make it easier. And, um, uh, so, you know, it was just kind of that ease that he, uh, he made me feel on the ice that, uh, just helped me, uh, you know, gain confidence. Prior to game one uh, versus Anaheim of the season, Doug Wade is quoted as saying, there's nothing wrong with having to earn respect from our fans. I understand the skepticism. We didn't put up much of a fight as we should have. At the end of last year, we lost to Detroit in the playoffs. Was there kind of a mood in, in training camp, or, or was everybody upbeat, ready to go? Uh, no, there was a, there was a pissed off mood. Uh, you can see it. There was, you know, I think we had the uh, second highest payroll in the uh, uh, in the entire league behind the Rangers at that point, and uh, a lot of big names. So, yeah, and there's there's a lot of uh, you know questions, and and you, know, you, you could feel it in the dressing room. And but yeah, going to the season, everybody was talking about you know this was this was the year to do it. We have we have everything in place, and you know we uh, we all you know even myself coming in felt that uh, uh it was the uh it was the stanley cup finals and and uh, hopefully the stanley cup we're not going to go through every game don't worry i'm not going to keep you on the phone for 24 <laughs> hours um but i do want to touch on a few of the games through that season october 15th is the opening day in st louis or is the first game in st louis and it's the lowest attendance in nearly five years with thirteen thousand. 222 people when that is in the stands you know obviously the front office is freaking out they're not selling tickets does that ever make its way down to the locker room or is the locker room and the is that completely separate no management in the locker room uh it's completely separate uh 
you know, if, if you would have asked me to describe the first game, I probably would have said there was 25,000 people there. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't think, you know, maybe some guys that were there, uh, you know, for years kind of maybe felt it. But uh, there's so much hype going into that first game of the year. And especially as a rookie uh, stepping on the ice, I, I had goosebumps. I was I was shaking. I was nervous. So uh, I definitely didn't notice that the, the, there wasn't many people in the set. There could have been one. And I think I would have had the same feeling that, uh, you know, this is uh, in my first real audition in the NHL. And you know, I got to prove myself and I was, uh, was definitely nervous. Incredible. That's awesome. That sounds really cool. <laughs> two days later, the blues explode seven to one with a win over Columbus. Uh, Kachuk buries two goals while Eric Boganicki and Peter Kachanik get their first NHL markers, but you have your first NHL fight against grand Marshall. You, <laughs> oh, I, I like, I like that laugh. Something good's coming. You were in the Western league. You were in the American league. You're fighting guys that are around the same age as you. Now you're fighting men. How different is that? Yeah, it, it's real different. Uh, my first training camp, I uh, I think it was my first two exhibition games. I had three fights and uh, and a goal, and uh, I fought Denny Lambert and Scott Walker. Uh, oh yeah, two two of my first fights. So yeah, I, I and you know when I was playing junior B too, I was a fifteen year old and I was fighting you know twenty twenty one year olds. So it was, I was no stranger to uh, to fighting guys that were uh, you know bigger and stronger and. Yeah, and and at that point I had no fear. Uh, I hadn't been uh, seriously hurt in a fight, and you know I was kind of a uh, you know all or nothing uh, at that age too. So I really didn't uh, didn't care, and probably didn't see the face of the guys that I was fighting until <laughs> uh, you know staring across at them in the uh, in the penalty box. So um, you know, and and I wanted to get that first fight out of the way too, and 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 kind of show people that. Uh, uh, I can hold my own and uh, and do pretty well. And uh, you know, uh, Grant Marshall was a, was an older guy that, uh, and I'm not even sure how the fight happened, but uh, I just knew that I was itching to get in that first one, and it just happened to be in a seven-one win. And so it was, uh, you know, it was uh, it was good to get that first one out of the way when uh, the other two rookies were uh, were scoring goals. And uh, but uh, yeah, I definitely could. Uh, you know, remember the uh, the uh, the adrenaline that was uh, was flowing in in uh, in that building. You guys go on to a five game winning streak and have one of the best starts for the Blues since 1997. On November 3rd, the Blues beat the Rangers in New York three to two. Dallas Drake scores a goal that is eventually credited to you, and I believe this is your first NHL goal. So now, not only did you beat the crap out of him in training camp, you've also stolen a goal from him. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a funny, uh, you know. If anybody asks, uh, you know, it was bar down and, and all that. But uh, Doug Waite went to the corner and he uh, he kind of threw the puck in front and it got deflected and it uh, kind of went out to the top of the circles almost to the point. And, uh, the puck was on end of my stick and I just kind of just swept it towards the, the net and Dally was probably around the hash marks. Uh, the puck bounced right around him, so it looked like it was deflected, but he completely missed it. And uh, the puck it bounced, went off Brian Leach's stick off his skate and in behind Mike Richter. So uh, they gave it to me first, then they changed it, gave it to Dally, and then uh, our video guy came on the bus at the end of the game. And Dally completely said, he goes, I didn't touch it, I didn't touch it, and kind of fought for it. And uh uh, and then, uh, yeah, our uh, video coach, Jamie Compound at the time, uh, came on the bus with a puck in his hand and he tossed it to me. He goes, congrats on your first NHL goal. So it wasn't, uh, 
you know, you know that memorable, uh, you know, celebration and, uh, and, you know, the announcing of the name and all that, but, uh, you know, it was still uh, pretty special for me. A true goal scorer's goal right there. Yeah, absolutely. That Rangers team was loaded and it seemed like they couldn't get out of their own way. They had Mark Messier, they had Nedved, they had Leach, they had Eric Lindros. And actually during that game, Eric Lindros laid a hit on you. I've heard Eric Lindros was like a men among boys. Is he one of the, did anybody hit harder than him? Uh, geez. I, I remember trying to hit Trent Klatt once and I uh, just about knocking myself out. Oh, wow. But, uh, yeah. But Lindros was, uh, you know, he, he was a beast and then Bertuzzi too. But, uh, I remember when, when, uh, Lindros was in Toronto and playing against him, I tried to, I, I was, I was trying to get the, uh, the puck away from him and I felt like I was, you know, you know, kind of trying to to push over a uh, a pillar that was about six feet wide so <laughs> he was uh he, he he was probably the strongest person i ever tried to uh tried to play against tom barrasso was signed shortly after that as an insurance policy what do you think tom brought to the team i know that you guys had been through multiple goalies already in that season yeah he he was kind of you know he definitely uh was very accomplished and um, and, and had a lot of things, uh, but we had, I think we had eight different goaltenders kind of come through and, and play for us that year, maybe even nine. And, uh, he was kind of that insurance policy and, uh, he only got in a few games and, and wasn't, uh, wasn't the greatest on our team, but, uh, definitely brought some, some experience and, yeah, he sat beside me in the dressing room, but I don't think he really talked to me. So, uh, it, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a different, uh, you know, a different dynamic. But uh, he wasn't there all that uh, that long. On November twelfth, in the LA Times, Joel Quinville is quoted as saying, "This kid is poised, real solid. He looks like he's been around a lot longer than fifteen games." You had an unbelievable start. Joel Quinville has taken notice of that. What was your relationship like with Joel? He was awesome. Uh, him and my kitchen were, uh, you know, the reason that I, uh, you know, felt so comfortable and, and, you know, continued to grow that year. Uh, after every, uh, every practice, every pregame skate, uh, Joel would kind of, you know, pull me aside and we would, you know, just do little, uh, you know, little drills, uh, you know, with, with gap and, you know, knocking pucks down. And, uh, he'd always grab me and, and a guy like Bryce Salvador, mm-hmm. kind of the younger, younger D man. And, and just do little things that, yeah. There's probably not a lot of uh, head coaches in the league that were that were doing that. But and then uh, you know, Kitch just his his little drills after, uh, and just his his enthusiasm for the game too. Uh, you know, those two guys were uh, were were awesome. It it uh, you know just you know let me my let me do my thing but also uh you know teach me some little things uh, throughout the year that uh you know really helped uh in games November 19th you guys have a record of 11-4 and 1 everything is rolling you're getting ready to go on a big road trip how's your body feeling 25 30 games into your first NHL season or are you adjusted because of the American League uh yeah I'm definitely adjusted because of the American League but uh you know, I had little injuries throughout the year that, uh, you know, you got to battle through. But, 
you, know, you look around the room. Uh, there was uh, there was a couple of times where I looked at Dally Drake, and he he was all or nothing. He would throw his body into every hit and blocking shots, and he would crawl into the uh, to the ice maker in the uh, in the dressing room every once in a while because he was so beat up. And you know, guys had ice bags everywhere. So you know, I kind of looked at my own uh, little uh, you know nicks and bruises, and and thought you know if these you know especially a guy like Al who was you know. 40 at the time if, if he's playing and I'm never going to complain about uh, any little injury that I have at, uh, at 21 years old. You're on the road and I know there's a lot of fun that goes on on the road. There's also a ton of work. One thing that I think is tradition though on the road and, and correct me if I'm wrong is the rookie dinner. Do you recall your rookie dinner with the guys? Oh, absolutely. We, uh, we were in Detroit. I think we got, uh, we got pumped five one on a, I think it was a Friday night. Oh, and uh and we were all uh maybe looking forward to our uh our, our rookie trip a little bit too much but uh we jumped on a plane right after the game and, and flew to san jose uh checked in the hotel for about three or four hours and then uh got up in the morning jumped on a bus and went to uh pebble beach for oh, cool uh, uh, for uh, for two rounds of golf and uh, rookie dinner at the Pebble Beach Clubhouse, so that was uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely remember that, and, and can't wait to go back to Pebble Beach and redeem myself for the uh, the, <laughs> the hungover 130 I shot that day. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not even going to ask what the tab was, but was there at least somebody there that you got to split it with? Yeah, I had uh, actually Eric Boganicki was a 30 year old rookie, and uh, Peter Chianek was a 27 year old rookie. So there was three of us, and uh, you know the guys. Uh, yeah, I think they had a cap, and uh, it, it wasn't as bad as some of the other ones that I've heard. On November 25th, you are in San Jose, and you have a, a hell of a game. You end up squaring off with Matt Bradley. Also, for the first time, the first line is reunited with Pavel Dimitra, Scott Mellenby, and Keith Kachuk. We haven't really talked much about Mellenby and Kachuk and Dimitra. What was your relationship like with those guys? Uh, it was awesome. Uh, you know, Mel was uh, was an amazing guy, and Big Walt and Pav, uh, Big Walt and, and and Pav had an unbelievable dynamic. They were like brothers. Uh, you know, Walt always teased uh, Pav, and Pav always tried to tease Walt back, but with his accent, and uh, he kind of <laughs> you know it was he was teasing himself a little bit more. But uh, Mel just he he was. Uh, he was amazing just the way that he, uh, he handled himself and, uh, you know, such a veteran, but, you know, a guy that always made time for me and, uh, was just, uh, you know, just, just around the room. Uh, you know, we go up for, uh, for drinks, uh, after games in St. Louis or, or wherever. And, uh, I would sit there and I would listen to all these guys talk. I would never say anything, but, yeah, I, I never wanted to go home because these guys were just telling stories, uh, you know, back and forth of, of about, uh, you know, you know, things off the ice, things on the ice. And you know, I, I think there was, uh, there was a lot of nights that, you know, I, I kind of rolled in uh, a little late. And, but, uh, you know, I was never going to be that first guy to go home. And uh, I always was kind of, you know, the guy sipping on beers and, and listening to these stories until uh, all hours. So can you imagine being 20, 21 years old, trying to make a name for yourself, trying to make the team, and your coach comes up to you and says, what the hell are you doing? You're embarrassing me. Go out and start something. So you pick a fight, and then the guys that you're going to be playing with the rest of the year turn on you and say, what the hell are you doing? It's like, you can't win. But Barrett won. He ended up sticking around, doing quite well for himself. We'll get into more of his 02-03 season on Thursday at 8 a.m. when part two of our interview with Barrett drops. 
In the meantime, hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Tell a friend, share. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook at Snapshots in Hockey History or on Twitter at Snapshots In. Anyways, good luck getting through the week. We'll see you again on Thursday. Have a great rest of the uh, day.